You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly series Food for Thought, in which we unpack some of the big ideas about food and food systems in order to raise the conversation level and stimulate lively discussions to find the way forward together. Today, we'll discuss innovations in agriculture with Margaret Hudson, President and CEO of Burnbrae Farms Limited. Welcome, Margaret. Great to be here, Peggy. Today, we turn our attention to new ideas, thought leadership, and the ways consumers and families can help enable agricultural innovations. Margaret, when we think of learning new ideas, we think of education. So people need and want to find out about progress in agriculture. How can consumer education move agriculture forward? You know, I I look at uh, consumers and and their perceptions of agriculture, and and sometimes it's, it's concerning because I don't think that people really understand the effort that goes into um, farming and 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 the innovation and the continuous improvement on farms, and uh, and I do believe that uh, it, it's really important that consumers seek information and seek information from many sources, and one of those sources should always be to go right to the source, the farmer, because there's lots of other sources that are coming out of special interest groups that might not be telling the full story, or they might have a different angle or perspective that is more linked to a specific message they're trying to put out there versus what's really going on on the farm. So if you want to find out what's going on on the farm, talk to a farmer. And by allowing, uh, by, by encouraging education, will actually allow agriculture innovation to move forward. We, we look at, you know, there's feed crop innovation and, and if we can't allow feed crop innovation to move forward so that we can grow crops on less arable land or crops with more more yield on existing land, you know, uh, that, that will prevent us from moving forward to produce, have better yields and lower costs from those crops, as an example. And uh, certainly our industry has worked very hard to um, take up egg production while, while reducing the energy and cost inputs, and, uh, and and there's lots of great things going in on in our industry, and we're really excited to share them, and people just have to come and look for them. There used to be a time when they taught agriculture in school, and knowing that, you know, Canada is employed, one in seven or eight people in Canada are employed in food and agriculture, and I believe by educating the public more, and it, actually by getting the younger generations interested you know, you attract talented minds to the sector to keep it moving forward so that we can continue to drive, you know, agriculture forward in Canada. It's been such a key to our economy and job creation and food production. And, and it just, there's so many wins from attracting great people to the sector. So I really would wish that we would bring food and ag back into the curriculum and excite young kids about it so that we can attract more talent to the sector and just keep growing it because it's such an amazing uh, place, such an amazing industry to work in. It really is. And when I heard you speak, I was thinking of the national food policy. Part of that is a school food program. And 
section of the school food program is food literacy for every student. So hands-on, not just nutrition, that's clearly needed, but food systems literacy so that we really one, know where the food comes from, but also from a citizenship perspective, when we see policy or um, interest coming forward that citizens are informed or at least know where to get information to be able to decide um, what to do when policy issues come forward or other things that we hear about uh, uh, that come forward. And the new ideas do come from and are disseminated by thought leaders. So experts who are seen as credible and have a lot of experience and but they also have public trust, people believe in them. So in thinking about innovations in agriculture, Margaret, why should farmers be sought out as thought leaders? You know, as I've said, farmers are constantly innovating, committed to continuous improvement. Yes, Farms are getting bigger, but fewer and fewer people are farming. And if we want to continue to eat, we need to make more food with the limited number of people who are committed to farming. And a lot of people have left their farms and some have stayed behind a farm. And those are trying to work with fewer resources and use technology. And, and what I've discovered is people want their food to be safe. They want it to be nutritious and they don't wanna pay a lot for their food, yet there's this pressure for farming to look and feel like old McDonald's farm. And I don't know how many times I've heard the word factory, words, factory farm. And I just say that farms getting bigger is a good thing for the Canadian population if people wanna have a safe, efficient, affordable food supply. And we don't wanna keep seeing food prices rise as we have been seeing lately. People are leaving rural areas, they're going to the cities, and a lot fewer people are farming. As I have said back in my great-grandfather's day, 30% of the population farmed. So you had one in three people farming, basically. Today, it's less than one in 50. We, we have a lot fewer people farming today than we did before. And, and farms produce, back then, a lot less. Than, than they produce today in terms of each individual farm and how many people that it can feed. And so I just think that uh, by going to the farmers and speaking to those who are actually producing the food and understanding the different systems and processes that they've adopted to take up productivity on their farms, I think people would, would really benefit from that because I do think there's a lot of uh, negative messaging out there from special interest groups with their own agendas. And you at least need to include the voice of the farmer in, in that conversation. Just to give you an example, in 1900, one farmer fed 10 people and people spent a lot of money, like up to 50% of their income on, on uh, food. And, and today one farmer would feed over 120 people and you know, Historically, food supply in Canada is around 10% of the income. It's probably risen a little more lately with, uh, with food inflation. But it just, you know, if we want a safe, efficient, affordable food supply, farmers need to continue to innovate. We do need to allow our farms to become more productive, more efficient, and bigger. <laughs> and, and people need to understand that farmers are moving forward in a very thoughtful, science-based way to make food more affordable. 
you know, there's a lot of really helpful statistics there because those are not things that we hear about all the time. You know, there's no shortage of um, uh, emotional appeals. And you had mentioned science, but also what we're talking about in this segment is really the credibility and the thought leadership, who is the knowledge holder, who's doing the work, who who's working the land, who's had, you know, generations of expertise with a certain animal or plant or equipment and all of the things that it takes to make that go well with all the variables that nature presents. Um, drought resistant seeds is something that the UN mentioned they were interested in finding out more about because again, we need to um, understand what the future holds and how we're going to do it. And certainly farmers are being um, put in, there's lots of pressures for them, but they need to be part of the solution because I, I've never really been more impressed at the level of ingenuity. Uh, and I also work at the university. So I, I do see innovation and ingenuity every day. And what I hear from farmers just working the land, they're not, you know, working at the university or whatever, the knowledge of the land, of the uh, situatedness of uh, what's going on. Um, and it's very, very important, as you said, to really respect that knowledge and to find a way to retain it while continuing to grow it. After the break, we'll hear more from Margaret Hudson, President and CEO of Burnbrae Farms, about new ideas and thought leadership in agri-food. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. We're speaking with Margaret Hudson, President and CEO of Burnbrae Farms Limited today about innovations in agriculture. So there's no shortage of uncoordinated and unevaluated information about agriculture. And what are some of the risks of not finding credible sources and not looking to farmers as thought leaders, Margaret? I think farmers know what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. And, and, and they can certainly answer questions that, that people have. I think we really should be going to those who farm the land every day and make sure that we hear their voices um, first, and at, at least as part of the conversation. A lot of the special interest groups are well-funded. They've got lots of resources. They're very strategic about what they're putting out there. And, you know, we lay it all out there on our website, all our different housing systems, all, you know, some of our practices. We know you can raise poultry a bunch of different ways. And, and there's uh, pros and cons to, to every uh, system. And, and hopefully allowing people to learn uh, about those different systems so that they can choose the type of egg that, meets with their values, their own personal values, and really trying to be open about that. And I think more and more farmers are getting out there with that so that people can research and understand their choices and make choices that align with their values. That's really ultimately the goal that we have. And, and you know, I think you go back post-war, World War II, and it was all about, you know, people had come out of shortages. They'd come out of, you know, where they had been on allocations and 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 didn't have enough to eat and it was all about consumption and just you know having a safe affordable food supply and as all of our our needs that way have been met people have had other uh, considerations and we've adapted what we do by adding different you know forms of housing like free range and and uh and and you know our free run housing and to be able to add choice so that consumers can 
find the egg that meets with their values. And that's always been what we've tried to do uh, in our business. Yeah, obvious active listeners and um, responding to what you heard. So whether that's the type of packaging, whether that's the type of egg, absolutely. And and farmers generally are, you know, I'm, I'm going off topic here. It's not eggs, but I think of the beef farmers in the 80s. Everyone wanted, everyone wanted marbled beef. And then, no, we can't have any fat in the beef. And now we're back to Wagyu beef. I'm not maybe saying that probably, but so the farmers are like, well, what would, what would you like? And we'll produce it that way. And so I think that we don't get that in every industry. So uh, I think that that's wonderful. But piggybacking on what you had said, Margaret, about uh, farmers and not only holding them as opinion leaders and thought leaders, but they're so busy working the land and running their businesses and taking care of all of the things that they need to take care of that sometimes it's not, um, it just, there's not enough hours in the day to share their stories. So here comes my next question, which piggybacks on that, and that we like to add the humanities to uh, today's food dialogue on this show. So philosophy, you know, ideas of a way of life, history, where we've been, as you mentioned, we used to run out of food and Canada's food guide post-World War II was about making sure, or earlier than that, I can't remember right now which year it was uh, founded, but it was about targets for consumption because people weren't getting enough. And now it's viewed more as a diet. If you want to um, uh, trim down or what have you, we'll follow Canada's food guide. So we've got a lot of food now. Why should consumers seek out farmers' stories told by them directly, not by uh, uh, someone else or a spectator? Why should farmers tell their own stories about their way of life? The interesting thing about farmers, like in our case, it was my great-great-grandparents that uh, came to Canada, and uh, and my great-grandfather came with them, and he purchased our farm in 1891, and, uh, you know, so we've been farming for over 130 years at the original Burnbury Farms. We've been farming in Canada for, in the Hudson side, seven generations, but even on, uh, you know, the other side, more than that, and in and, and, you know, my great great grandparents came from a farming family in Scotland. So we've literally been farming for like generations upon generations. Um, and uh, we have a lot of experience, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And we've been on the land a long time. Um, we've definitely adapted what we do and changed our approach as new technologies and new ideas and new breeds of birds and. We started out as dairy farmers and we transitioned to poultry. And I guess we've just been at this a long time and we're constantly out in the world looking at new things and new ways of doing things and trying to bring those technologies back. We're trying things. Some don't work. You do less of that. You go with the stuff that does work. Um, you're, you're speaking to people with a lot of experience and have done it for generations. And, and, and how many people out in the jobs they do have been doing those same jobs this for generations and and all that accumulation of learning and a, and a powerful attachment to our farm. It's like the hub of our whole family. Everybody descended from my grandparents still come. We had a family reunion this past summer. We had, you know, all, everybody descended from my grandparents coming together at the farm. It's a, it's a really special, special place. It's got an amazing history and, 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 you know, we've just really, and our family is very connected to the land and we are true stewards on the land. And I just think that if people really understood the care, the commitment, the hard work, you know, and, and, the, and the commitment to continuous improvement that we've put into, you know, 
uh, ensuring that we have the best possible systems, uh, housing practices, uh, genetics, uh, feed regimens, just uh, they then they really start to get a feel for how much goes into what we do and appreciation for that really simple dozen eggs that they go out and buy in the grocery store once every seven to 10 days and, and uh, a better appreciation because there's a lot of work that goes into uh, that little egg. And I, and, and really, um, I think get a real sense of the care and, and the commitment by having those conversations directly with the farmers themselves. You know, when you were speaking, Margaret, um, first of all, I was so impressed but also the character, you know, the heart, you're all in, the heart is there. It is all in another farmer on the show was talking about, you know, trying to predict 15 generations into the future and a generation being 30 years, that's 450 years into the future. And the things you're doing now, you know, whether that's the solar panels or, or the net zero or whatever, it's that far into the future, the impact that's being made. So that deserves some respect. And so seeking out the farmer stories, including in the information that you're hearing what they have to say in terms of uh, knowledge holders, but also people with competence, character, and commitment is really, really an important thing to include, I think, today. Margaret, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I just say, you know, we care, right? Like uh, Burberry Farms, we just got WBE certified. So that's the Women's Business Enterprise um, we're majority female owned and, and, and managed and it's owned by my, my family. My, and, you know, we just, we care and, and we want to, we want to do right. We, we've been working at this a really long time. Me personally, 32 years full time in the business, but at all my life. And we're, we're using agriculture innovation to, to take our business forward. And we're constantly looking at new things, whether it's housing or solar or, just a feeding. I've talked about genetic. There's so many different aspects you need to manage to provide the best possible care we've and the highest quality product for our consumers at the lowest possible price that we can. You know, really, we've really also been focused on community and just going out in the communities and 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 uh, and helping to support local charities and going into shoreline cleanups and. Uh, and supporting different charitable initiatives like breakfast programs uh, and um, even clean water. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. We support Swim Drink Fish, this great charity that's out doing water testing and ensuring you can go on their swim guide app and, and know whether, check whether or not a beach near you is safe and to swim. And we really feel being Canadians, connection to water is so important. And, uh, and uh, being on one of the largest world's fresh water supplies, we wanted to be part of helping to protect water. Um, so we're just really trying to do our part and, uh, and we're working very hard and we'll continue to work hard and we will continue to innovate and, and bring those innovations to, to Canadians as we feel that they can add value to eggs, you know, the world's most nutritious food and, uh, and to make them safe and affordable for Canadians. 
And thank you very much for doing that, Margaret, and to everyone at Burn Brave Farms. It is very much a family farm, which is an ideology, and it's in your heart. It's not a business structure. It is a family farm. So thank you for insp this inspiring conversation. And it's very comforting to know that nationwide, you and your entire team are working as hard as you do to bring the highest quality nutritious eggs to families and to build a bright future, not only in the egg industry, but also in Canadian agriculture overall. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. I really enjoyed speaking with you today. It's my sincere pleasure, Margaret. Today on the show, we've been speaking with Margaret Hudson, President and CEO of Burnbrae Farms Limited about innovations in agriculture. Each week we leave you with something to talk about and something to do, something to talk about. How could you learn more about what farmers innovations exist to ensure there's enough food for the future? Something to do, visit burnbraefarms.com to find their Eggs for Life Sustainability Report founded on the United Nations 17 Goals for Sustainable Development. Next week on the show, we return to the series, Waste Not. We'll talk with Haneel Rajani, co-founder of Reimagine Inc. about saving money and reducing electrical waste by repairing small kitchen appliances. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.